Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yo, yo, yo. So many stories that need to be fleshed out. Like, the grape nuts shortage has come to an end. Boxes were selling for $100 a piece on eBay because of the grape nuts shortage, but it's over, thank God. Are you saying grape nuts? Grape nuts. You don't eat grape nuts? No. I have. I grape don't nuts are good. I gotta there get was book. a shortage, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Utah governor has signed legislation requiring porn filters on cell phones and tablets. Got to look into that. That's interesting. The murder rate is back up to 1990s levels. Oh, yay. Build schools, not prisons. Another part of the country where they're taking Thomas Jefferson off the schools. Bunch of different stuff we'll get to later this hour. One of the things we like to do around here is arm you with the knowledge to uh, to push back against some of the mainstream narratives that are going on in America. Partly because a lot of those narratives are wrong. They're dishonest. They're an effort to grab power. And they're frequently racist and insulting. This one is... A- it's so interesting. How much have you heard about income inequality? Widening income inequality is a fatal flaw in capitalism, an existential threat to democracy. Those are actual quotes. Uh, this is uh, Phil Graham and John Early writing in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I guess it's the Phil Graham, the former uh, senator. Graham Rudman, etc. Okay. Anyway, uh, bah, 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 bah. from 1967 to 2017, income inequality in the U.S. spiked 21.4%, and everyone from senators to the Pope says it's an urgent problem. Yet the data upon which claims about income inequality are based are profoundly flawed. And your source on this is the Graham thing? That's mm-hmm. what you're reading from? Okay. Yeah, and actually, I, again... Graham we'll of let- the Cracker and Tella. I'm not no, sure if he's behind either different of those. Fellow, okay. Different fellow, spelled differently. Uh, they they go into the science behind it, and we'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com. It's the Wall Street Journal, though, so it's probably paywalled. I don't, maybe we can figure something out. But um, they showed in their study that Census Bureau income data failed to count two-thirds of all government transfer payments, including what? Medicare. That's not a very good job of doing it, then. (laughs) Medicaid, food stamps, and some 100 other government transfer payments. They failed to count two-thirds of all government transfers as income to the recipients. Further, census data failed to count taxes paid as income lost to the taxpayer. When official government data are used to correct these deficiencies, when income is defined yeah. the way real people actually define it, how much money you get, income inequality is r- reduced dramatically. That That's funny. That just rings a bell. I remember we talked about this a couple of years ago. Where did I come across that? We talked about this a couple of years ago, and I was just ast- as astounded then as I am now that nobody had taken the fact that if you make forty grand and I make you know whatever I make, a hundred grand, but if you take forty away from me and I really have sixty, and give twenty to you and you really have sixty, we have the same amount. Right. But they always yeah. they always talk about it being a hundred and forty. Look at this person with a hundred. This person with forty. You have the same amount. 
to spend. But they never adjust for that. It's fascinating. But wait, there's more. We can now show, they write, that if you count all government transfers minus administrative costs as income to the recipient household, reduce household income by taxes paid, and then correct for two major discontinuities in the time series data on income inequality that were caused solely by changes in Census Bureau data collection methods. They changed what they were counting. In other words, not only is income inequality in America not growing, it is lower today than it was 50 years ago. Here's how that works. While the disparity in earned income, earned income, has become more pronounced in the past 50 years, the actual inflation-adjusted income received by the bottom quintile, that's the bottom fifth, counting the value of all transfer payments received net of taxes paid, has risen by 300%. The bottom 20% of people, their real income has risen by 300%. Through wealth redistributing wealth. Yes. The top 20% has seen its after-tax income rise by about 213%, but it's a lower rise than the bottom quintile. As government transfer payments to low-income households exploded, their labor force participation collapsed as well. And the percentage of income in the bottom quintile coming from government payments rose above 90%. Uh, Wow, more than 90% of the percentage of income in the bottom 20% is government payments. In 2017, federal, state, and local governments redistributed $2.8 trillion, or 22% of the total nation's earned household income. Almost a quarter of the total income earned is now redistributed by the government. More than two-thirds of those transfer payments went to households in the bottom two income quintiles. Uh, remarkably, the Census Bureau chooses to count only $900 billion of that $2.8 trillion as income for the recipients of it. Well, one of the most astounding things to me about this is that we've talked about this before. It made such a huge impact on me, but I completely forgot about it until you reminded me just now. Uh, so, so that which gives you an idea of how much good that does in the uh, you know the public consciousness or the uh, the, the political debate. I mean, it was uh, it seemed like a huge deal to me at the time, but it, it didn't make a dent in this this issue. People right. people still talk about the guy who makes a hundred grand versus the guy who makes forty grand, not taking into account the you know the transfer of money that goes between the two. Exactly. You know, if I was going to put a little file folder label on it so y'all can tuck it away in your memory, always think about net money received, not quote-unquote income. And it's, uh, the picture changes vastly, vastly. And what's what's important about this, well, there are a number of things important about this. The left tries to use this as a tool to, A, take in even more money into the government, why would they want to do that? It's because they have good hearts. They want to give it to poor people. No, it's because you can siphon off more. The bigger the pipeline, the more you can siphon off to your cronies and yourself and your relatives. The more control you can take over the economy, the more control you can take over the people. You have to have a crisis to take more control. And this is a fake one. Again, we'll... You know what? I, I'll get together with the executive producer, Hanson. We'll uh, find a way to post the key uh, aspects of this at armstrongandgetty.com so you won't get paywalled without violating the terms of use uh, an agreement with the Wall Street Journal. Those who have been blessed the most, who have disproportionately extracted by whatever skill more and more from the national wealth, 
they're going to have to share more of that. <laughs> Got to be the most socialist thing ever said by a governor. Jerry that was Brown one of, of the worst things I've ever heard. Jerry Brown of California. Those who've disproportionately extracted from the national wealth. That's right. So you uh, pour your, your blood, sweat, tears, and savings into a business. You build that business. You're extracting from the economy. Well, and you're not creating it. You're extracting it from it, you greedy, selfish person. And bureaucrats like him determine, I guess, for you what's proportional and not proportional. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is interesting. Um, we haven't mentioned this uh, L.A. homeless story. One of the biggest homeless areas in the L.A. area, uh, Echo Park, they've, uh, they're have renovating the park and booting all the homeless out this week. And it's a lot of people, and this is a ploy that has been used a number of times over the years when they renovate the park as so they can have the leverage to get the homeless out of there. Yeah, well, you can say ploy. I'm going to say technique, strategy. Well, I'm, I'm fine with favor it. Of no, it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in favor of it, too. It's weird that you need a ploy. Why do you need a ploy? Because you, you, you well, because of the, you know, um, various court rulings on your right to be various uh, places. But if, if we're doing construction, I guess then we can boot you out. That's right. The Supreme Court declined to hear that Boise case, didn't they? I remember going crazy at the time. I was sure that was going to go straight to the is Supreme Court. Is that the court. panhandling is free speech? No, I thought that was the uh, you can't uh, forbid people from camping in public places ruling. Right. Uh, bums and junkies in every park in America now, practically. But what was, yeah. but what was the thinking on that? I can't. I would have to look. The again. reasoning was uh, they're the public, and it's a public place. Uh, I don't know. It's funny that you know you've got hundreds of years of civilization to look at. Can you come up with any that allowed bums and junkies to inhabit the park? No, not really. So I think that's kind of, that. there's your ruling, Mr. Judge. You don't have to come up with some convoluted logic. You have the history of, of the Western world. What's a porn filter on your phone or your uh, your iPad? If, if you can get one, I'd like to have one on mine for my kids, certainly. But it's, it's going to be a law in Utah now. Huh. Uh, among other things that we're going to talk about coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I just want everybody to know, you know, the fight is on with me and Holyfield. And Holyfield's a humble man, I know that. And he's a man of God, but I'm God's man. And I'm going to be successful May 29th. That is Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet (laughs) 35 years ago. Sounding more and more like Red Fox of old. <laughs> yes. Le Mans. Hey, Le Mans. I'm fight. You're in a holy field. Sounding every bit his age, wanting to fight another heavyweight champion from 35 years ago. The guy who's, who's even older. The guy whose ear he bit off. Well, to be fair, it makes more sense than fighting today's heavyweight champion. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Two of them are in their uh, their 50s, and they're going to fight in a pay-per-view, and I said I would I pay for it if it were less than $25, but if it's more than that, I will not. And it's 50 bucks, so I guess I'll have to read about it in the news. Uh, speak- or get together with other humans. Split the cost. Come on. It's about the camaraderie. Watching old men get beat up alone? That's no fun. Do it with your friends. 
Speaking of large men, I, uh, I'm a uh, spaghetti-armed uh, gentleman and always have been. <laughs> Although I can lift 100 pounds clear over my head. I've That's seen him. Impressive. Um, I was at the pharmacy waiting in line yesterday, and there was a dude in front of me. wasn't very tall. God, he was like 5'5". Five, five. But his arms, and he was wearing a what Sean calls an extra medium. Um, <laughs> he was wearing a tiny T-shirt. And his arms might be the biggest arms I've ever seen. And he was not very tall. Yeah. And, his, and, he, and he looked like I was, I was standing right behind him. So I thought, he's got to be wearing like a size 6 men's shoe. Tiny little feet. <laughs> tiny little body. But his arms were as big as my legs. His, wow. his biceps. Just enormous. I almost want to win the like go outside and do some uh, like lift my car or something. I just want to see it. <laughs> wow, that that wouldn't be at all demeaning. Treating like, him like, like a our old circus produ- freak. Our old producer Scott from way back in the day, his great grandfather was the world's strongest man. What? And could lift a pony with one hand. He was billed no, as the world's strongest man. He was a very strong man. Yeah, he was in circuses and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, I think this guy could have lifted a pony with one hand. Anyway. Um, how much does a pony weigh? <laughs> I don't depends. think he probably picked the biggest, fattest pony no, it for depends, his act. Depends on the pony. Yeah. Um, the governor of Utah just signed legislation requiring porn filters on cell phones and tablets. Aimed at obviously establishing some sort of filter where you could keep porn um, away from young people or anybody you don't want to see porn, and then there would be a fine for manufacturers. Five other states would have to sign on to this for it to take effect, though, because of the way communications work. So I guess you need to get surrounding states around Utah to sign on for it to to, to, to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. I'm not sure why that would be. Uh, I'm not either. But... Um, Surrounding states. Uh, an, an attorney it's, it's for not the, like you know the porn comes via conveyor belt through those states or through some sort of porn XL pipeline. But the, the triple XL pipeline. Hey. But the um. <laughs> but the uh, the internet providers though would cross state lines, obviously. So I don't know how it works either. Um, but the ACLU is against it, and they said this is a you know unconstitutional and it will be challenged. Uh, the people that like the, I'd love to have a filter on my kids' stuff that would filter this out. I, I wish we could figure this, uh, figure out a way to filter pornography some way. I don't want it so where you can't get it. Uh, like it says here, you can take the filter off easily, so it shouldn't violate anybody's. Yeah, that's stupid, ACLU. You suck. You used to be a good organization. You've now covered yourselves in shame. Is there any reason why the, the the big porn makers of the world, the people that are really making the money, wouldn't want to sign voluntarily, you know, uh, agree to be on, like, some sort of .xxx easily filtered out platform? Is there a reason why they wouldn't? Because people would st- that are going to use their product would still go to it. Uh, I think they get a significant amount of their revenue and clicks from underage people. And they wouldn't they want to lose those? The last thing they want to do oh. is filter out kids. Hmm. I wonder if you could somehow pressure the biggest ones into uh, doing the right thing and making it for adults only. Pornhub got in so much trouble recently. Are the, They're one of the biggest, aren't they? And they had to yeah. take mm-hmm. like down like half of their content. 
Yeah, I would love to see. I'm not sure exactly how it would work and how it would be successful, but I'm with you 100%. The idea that adolescent kids and even younger kids, which is terrible, but uh, the the idea that adolescents are watching the full panoply oh, of my porn, no. it's just it's so bad for the development. It's just well, we're not good. We're yet to really see how that plays out because we got the first generations, you know, out there now that grew up with with ideas about sex that I couldn't even have dreamed of as a 16-year-old. Right. right. Um, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, speaking of the young and, and, and being discouraged and downtrodden, uh, I was just uh, reading something that justified your point exactly, Jack, earlier. We were talking about the whole remote work thing and how it's okay. If, you, if you've been working in an organization for a while, you know the people, et cetera, you can make it work. But for the new kid on the block, it's extremely difficult. And they say Gen Z is really, really struggling in the workplace over the last 13 months. Not surprised. And it could affect the rest of their lives. Hey, another story I wanted to get on. Mitch McConnell. So uh, Joe Biden ran on uh, Uniter, and I'm going to work with the other side, and we're into a different period now and all that sort of stuff. Mitch McConnell says he has not talked to, I want to get read this correctly, get this quote right, so that I'm not... You know, feeding you full of bull. Uh, Mitch McConnell says he has not talked to Joe Biden since the inauguration. Is it because Biden's old and boring and tells rambling stories? I don't believe I don't believe I've spoken with him since he was sworn in. Mitch McConnell said so. So much for working with the other side. The leader of the Republican Party. You haven't talked to him at all since you were sworn in. That's terrible. Yeah, it does. If I was the president, I'd be talking to the the leader and the minority leader and the speaker. I'd have him over regularly. I think it was his intent. I think he was not lying when he was running for president. I think it was intent. I think he got in there and realized the left wing of the Democratic Party has got a lot more heft than he realized. Armstrong and Getty. We know that the suspect is in custody. He was injured. They have not released any details about who he was, but we did see footage of uh, a white general, a white man. He was wearing shorts, no shoes, no shirt. He seemed to be bleeding down his leg, and he was handcuffed. Scapegoating is the evil cousin of white supremacy, and together they reinforce the notion that. White is always in the right. The indifference to lives not white must stop. The disregard for the fear of white terror must stop. We must not be cowed by the terror unleashed by white men drowning in the deep end of racism, xenophobia, and misogyny. Whoa. Whoa. Jonathan Capehart on MSNBC on his show yesterday. We uh, we must not bow down before the white men's violence of whatever that was he said there at the end. Um, I hit you with a couple other examples before I get to the, the, the point, I think. So I was going through this Twitter feed, all these blue check marks that went with the whole white narrative from the beginning, which, you know, and I, I saw the picture of him coming out of the grocery store. We're talking about the shooter in Colorado who killed 10 people. Uh, who the appears crazy, to, pathetic, sad, angry, dumb guy. He appears to be pretty crazy. 
Like, he might be full-on schizophrenic paranoid. So I don't know what you do with those cases. I don't know who you're angry at. Uh, I don't know who to be angry at or health. I don't know what. But anyway, uh, I thought he was white, too. But, uh, you know, I wasn't jumping to the conclusions that white people are inherently uh, evil, like a lot of people are. Um, and blue check marks, and I don't know all these names, but they're they're a big enough deal to get a blue check mark for Twitter, and you know, are the kind of people that influence conversation in the um, social media world. Extremely tired of people's lives depending on whether a white man with an AR-15 is having a good day or not. Um, here's another one. It's always an angry white man, always, and they're always angry about women. Uh, imagine if you're saying this about Asians or black people or anything like that, making these generalizations about people based on their color. And that would make you a despicable racist. And yeah. it does make them despicable racists. Yeah. Or the sort of particularly sick, self-hating white person. Another blue check mark. When a white guy with an AR-15 shoots and kills a bunch of people, is the motive really relevant? Spoiler alert on the motive. He was having feelings, anger, inadequacy, invisibility, impotence, i.e. not special. I guess the assumption there is that if it were a person of color, you'd want to take a look at the reason because they might have a good reason in this racist country for killing people. But if a white person, what what difference does it make what their uh, motive was? Really interesting stuff. A lot of that sort of thing. Um, the suspected gunman in Boulder, Colorado. This is another blue check mark. Mass shootings is a white guy. Cue mental issues, bad day, parking dispute, or anything else that what he most likely is Oh, anything else other than what he most likely is a white domestic terrorist. Again, imagine saying Asian domestic terrorists, black domestic terrorists, as if that's relevant to what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, hit you with another one. This uh, got a lot of attention yesterday. Kamala Harris's niece. Oh, she's a treat. Tweeted out, the Atlanta shooting was not even a week ago. Violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. Again, say, imagine saying that about any other race. And uh, Tucker Carlson's been on this for a while, and um, uh, and he put it better than I've been able to put it for quite a while. That just this idea that if we keep pretending there's a race war, we're going to end up with a race war. He said, how long can we keep running this narrative that one race is inherently bad before our country comes apart? We might find out. I'd agree. And I don't, I don't understand how people that are going with don't understand how racism works and how it starts and how it gets going. You, you, you don't realize that at some point in time, white people decided that black people were inherently inferior to dumb, to violent, to whatever, to have the same rights as everybody else and got treated that way for, you know, centuries, depending on the culture you're in. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to do that about white people. We're going to start this narrative that white people are just too evil, selfish, violent, whatever, just inherently automatically racist. You're born that way. It comes with your white skin. Not only that, but they're to be held responsible for their sins of ancestors 250 years ago. How do you not think that this is going to lead to horrifying violence? Or, or or treatment of people based on their race, or do you or do you actually have such a twisted view of the world that you think, well, that would be fair in the overarching 
view of history to balance out something. That's not the way the world actually works. That's not justice. That's vengeance. Yeah, that's vengeance against people for something their ancestors did 100, 200, 300 years ago. Which couldn't be more something out of the Middle Ages. Oh, my God. My progressive friends, here's one for you. You suggest that Trump saying China virus inspired an explosion in anti-Asian hate crimes. Uh, number one, there's no proof of that whatsoever. None. And the numbers of actual hate crimes against Asians are very, very low. There's a hell of a lot of crime against Asians, uh, but it has nothing to do with Trump or the China virus. Anyway, but the, so you suggest that Trump saying China virus or blaming China is going to lead to violence against Asians, but your systematized 24-7 drumbeat of white people are evil, white people will kill you, white people are the threat. The Root magazine, which is a big digital uh, magazine, uh, ha- published an article declaring whiteness is a pandemic. Whiteness is a public health crisis. You know, white people are to blame for all the ills in the world. How is that not going to lead to huge explosions of racial violence? If Trump saying China virus could inspire it, and it can't. What do you think your own words are doing? It's really sick. It's so dangerous. And I can't believe a lot of those blue check marks, a lot of them, most of them were white people. It's interesting to see uh, people so filled with guilt or weird ideology that are wanting to go along with this narrative that white people are inherently bad because of their race. You're, You're claiming the races are different, that skin color does matter. What a step backwards. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's sad. I never it, thought I'd see this. And it's caught hold with the educated set. I never yeah. thought I'd see this either. As a guy who's raising two young white males, it really scares the crap out of me, the world that they're going to be going out into. If the, the educated among us, including a hell of a lot of white educated people, are willing to go with white people bad, white people bad, we got to do whatever we can to restrain white people. Oh, my God. Well, as Thomas Sowell put it so brilliantly, there are some ideas so crazy or stupid that only intellectuals could believe in them. And that's what you're seeing. But if there's hope, and we were talking about this, I guess it was last week, some of the way out there wackadoo attitudes that we're talking about, which are mostly pushed by hyper-educated white people and even more white women, they're driving minorities out of the Democratic Party. Because the actual people of color, the average, working, nice, great, you're my friend, you're my brothers, you're my countrymen, people of color looking at these people the same way we are. They're saying, you people are out of your freaking minds. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. You just never know what's a continuum and what's a, uh, what's a pendulum. But speaking of safety, keeping your home and your family safe, you know, the old saying is when, uh, you know, when uh, seconds count, the cops are minutes away. Uh, but whether you're concerned about a break-in, fire, flooding, medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. Not only is it simpler and less expensive, it's better than the old kind of home security system. Yep, they got their your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, EMTs when you need them the most, 24/7. And you can set this thing up yourself in about 30 minutes. That's part of the whole Simply Safe thing. It's super easy to set up. We'll tell you how to order it. Comes to your home, you set it up. No long contracts. It's easy to use. It's all kind of great. 
No expensive install is the greatest thing, I think. But anyway, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. 60 day risk free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Use that code to get the free camera. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Got a uh, couple of suggestions on tattoos. Get a giant Captain America shield on your chest. <laughs> yes. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Oh, my kids would love that. Oh, my kids would love that. I'm not going to get a butterfly there. Man, that's just a... <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I was uh, I was looking for a little fresher feeling this morning, and I applied some uh, some some powder. What? What? <laughs> this is really TMI. And I looked in the cabinet, and I saw this gold bond medicated powder. And I, I thought, hmm, that, that's, 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 according to the label, that's exactly what I need. Well, it causes a tingling sensation. And the f- line between tingling and burning is <laughs> uh, it's a fine line. That's true. And I applied that to some of my, uh, <laughs> some of my favorite regions and thought, oh my God, what have I done? If this keeps going, if this feeling gets any worse, I gotta call 911. Some of my favorite regions. My crotch is on fire. I gave my I gave myself internet cancer last night. I did one of those stupid things where you got like a, a symptom of some sort. I won't get into it, but you know, as you started googling it and then and, and you know going through the internet and down rabbit holes and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you give yourself internet cancer. Oh boy, <laughs> that's all you need. Oh yeah, right. You know, almost always right before bed. Oh jeez. Oh yeah, I had exactly the same thing. I was dead in a week. Wait a second, how are you <laughs> typing this? I met my uncle. Anyway, you'll be dead. <laughs> Hey, uh, Positive Sean, can you do me a favor? Can you look up the current numbers for uh, average viewers of the cable news uh, big shows? Uh, and, and and we'll do it next segment. I want to. Uh, I have some ratings information for some of the daytime shows. And in terms of cultural influence, I think the dopey daytime shows are oh, multiples. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. More important than CNN ever was. If I wanted to relate to the most people, not the people that listen to this show, but the most people right. in general. Much better off watching The View and Ellen and Judge Judy than any cable news show. No doubt about it. Yeah, we'll have those numbers for you coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Former Jeopardy winners and contestants recently published an open letter calling on producers to remove talk show host Dr. Oz as guest host, which is a shame. If anything, Dr. Oz needs more access to the correct answers. (laughs) I like him beating up a Dr. Oz because he's a jerk. And we know that from a personal experience, which we won't bore you with here. But he is a jerk and a quack. (laughs) There he goes. Hey, Dr. Oz, how are you? So before you get to your TV ratings, I got kind of a breaking news thing that's here interesting. Oh, boy. First this. C-SPAN's 2024 election coverage officially kicked off today with Mike Pompeo in Iowa. (laughs) So if you really want to get in early on that. Jeez, go ahead. If I don't watch it, does it still happen? (laughs) (laughs) But this from Axios. 
Presidential historian Michael Beschloss told Axios that FDR and LBJ may turn out to be the past century's closest analogs to the Biden area in terms of transforming the country in important ways in a short period of time. Biden recently held an undisclosed East Room session with historians and discussed how big is too big to jam through once-in-a-lifetime historic changes. The historian's views, because he invited in a whole bunch of lefty historians... I could, name, I could name some historians for you that wouldn't have agreed with this. But anyway, their views were in sync with his own. It's time to go even bigger and faster than anyone expected. And that's why the Axios headline is, Biden prepared to chuck filibuster in historic push. Wow. Wow. So, so he brought in a bunch of liberal historians who agree with him and said... Is there any limit to how much I should change America in one presidential term? No, there's no limit. Keep going. Progress is good. Take as much power as you can. How about you ask some conservative historians, get their point of view? You know, I've made this observation before, but I think it's worth mentioning that I've been looking at those presidents rated or listed or ranked uh, things since I was a kid. And it finally occurred to me at one point that all of uh, many, many historians are lefties. Yep. And they rank those who exercised the most power the highest. And those who said, no, I'm not going to try to control the nation. I don't think that's right. They rate those as weak presidents. Have uh, Amity Schles, she'd be a perfect one, who wrote the, a, a couple of books about Calvin Coolidge. Have her in there and see if she thinks uh, that's a good idea. I could name several others, but um, whatever. Speaking of brilliant women. Uh, the premise of this article is that Ellen DeGeneres has lost a ton of viewers um, since it came out that she's not nice. She's mean as a snake, allegedly. <clears throat> she's I've mean never to... really. I've never gotten a solid feel for this story. I can't tell if it's overblown or not. I, I think, don't care enough to check. I, I think she was a boss, which all bosses are a certain way. And uh, and it came out that she acted like a boss at various times. And she's so sensitive to not being mean, she overreacted. That's my sense of it. It's possible that viewers of Ellen are so into her being nice that when they heard that she might not be, they abandoned her. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, they mentioned that Ellen has lost more than a million viewers since September, according to Nielsen, uh, averaging 1.5 million viewers over the last six months, down from 2.6 million in the same period last year. Sean, were you able to find some of those cable news numbers we were talking about? Um, so, yeah, I've got, uh, let's see, Tucker Carlson taking first place in the key demo of 2554 with an average audience of about half a million. Half a million. Uh, in that one demo. So that's not total audience, but yeah, yeah but that's okay, the demo yeah. they care about. I'm not sure that's true on Fox. Um, Rachel Maddow took second with a little more than 400,000. Okay. All right. So that gives you an idea yeah. of the numbers. I think Fox is more into uh, 3564. Oh, here's, here's a bit. Uh, in Prime, Fox <laughs> drew a total audience of 2.3 million viewers, 350 in a key demo. So 2.3 million total viewers. There you go. Okay. Uh, so then you look at Ellen, that when she was doing well, was drawn 2.6 million on her own. And then you add in Dr. Phil. Speaking of quacks, charlatans, crackpots, and... And in freak show operators, two and a half million. That's the average. Live with Kelly and Ryan, 2.7 million. Wow. Yeah. Live with the, Kelly and Ryan is multiples bigger than anything on a, a cable news channel. 
Yeah, but then you get into the second tier. They're still way bigger than all your cable news heroes, all my cable news heroes. So I've never, I've never known this person. I never dated this person. I was never friends with this person. The person that watches these daytime shows. So I don't, I don't have any sense of who they are. Do you? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, like I never had an acquaintance or anything like that. I was watching Ellen yesterday and. Or, uh, you know, I got to get home because... Uh, so anyways, Judge she Judy's... started dancing. Yeah. Then the audience started dancing. And <laughs> you should have seen how much fun they were all having. No, that's great. But your second tier, Moripovich, 1.4 million. Still much bigger. Kelly Clarkson, 1.3 million. Didn't even know she had a show. Rachel Ray, Tamron Hall, Jerry Springer's former security guard, Steve Wilkos, he gets over a million. Nobody's. I've at. never heard Steve Wilkos' name in my life. I believe well, that was the bouncer from the Jerry Springer show. He yeah. got his own kind of spinoff. So I, I mean, I've never heard anybody say, you know, I, I was watching Rachel Ray, or I got to get home and watch Rachel Ray, or do you record Rachel Ray, or did you see on... I've never. So I just don't hang out with those people. So like I said, I don't know who they are. Yeah. Are they Wait. the housebound? Um, yeah, yeah, the unemployed, uh, the underemployed, uh, that's a, that's a big part of it, yeah, and, and some housefrows and folks like that as well, uh, but this, uh, brings to mind, and I'm not seeing your judge shows on here, where's Judge Judith, are they, like, I've known tons of people that have cable news on all the time, or sports on all the time, I've, I've known lots of those people, yeah, yeah, man, or, they say, I know lots of people that like those nighttime 2020 Dateline type of solving a crime shows. That's a teeny fraction of the, of the daytime viewer. Remember, uh, Judge Judy's the highest paid uh, person in television. Yeah. They mentioned that from September to January of the 2019 to 20 season. Um, so that's okay. So that's man, half a year. Ellen brought in $131 million in revenue. Holy cow. Whatever she's paid, it's not enough. Yeah. She's underpaid, clearly. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Huh. Tamron Hall? I wouldn't know her if she walked up to me and interviewed me. Tamron Hall. With the uh, help of Steve Wilkos. <laughs> the both of them could come up from right. each side. I don't know. Armstrong and Getty.